I'm Tracy McCauley. And I'm Liz Zuleika. We are cardiology pharmacists, educators, and self-declared literature crusaders. With the help of national cardiology pharmacy experts, we at Cardios Groups aim to keep you up to date. Dr. D. Domenico and Dr. Pickworth had too many good things to say to jam into one 15-minute platform. So here you go. Welcome to part two of Cardio Scripts with Dr. Pickworth and Dr. D. Domenico. I think there are some things that we identified in this paper that are important to point out to people that I I believe are maybe somewhat controversial in the training of pharmacists. The article references a survey that was done of the current PGY2 cardiology programs and identified that about one third of programs require physical exam skills. But it was the opinion of the authors that this is a really important skill to develop. Can you all speak to why that is? For me personally, I've always, you know, back to even my PharmD training, we were taught some very basic physical exam skills. But I think in the area of cardiology, particularly when you start thinking about heart failure and things like that, and where a number of our colleagues practice, whether it be in an inpatient setting or perhaps even more importantly in an outpatient setting, you know, if you're managing a clinic or working in a multidisciplinary clinic, I think you need to have some of those fundamental skills, even if at a very basic level, to identify whether or not your patient is not so much doing well, but actually when they're not doing well, and when you probably need to engage a higher level provider like your physician or perhaps an MP or something along those lines to who has a little bit more expertise in, in physical examination. So you know, having been trained that way, that's something that me personally that I've always felt strongly about. And I think most of us on the, on, on the paper, uh, most of the co-authors uh, felt that way too, understanding that there may be limitations in certain centers uh, based on, you know, opportunities and, and things like that. I also agree with Rob. When we first started doing cardiology residencies, everybody was looking at an inpatient setting. Now, most positions that are out there are both inpatient and outpatient. And so it may be just you and the patient. So you need to have those skills or the basis of those skills. Before we, in the inpatient setting, we can rely on physicians or nurses to help us with those things. But when it's you and the patient, you need to have those skills available on physical assessment. And I think that's a nice segue to my next question, which is we, we discussed diagnostic tests that cardiology pharmacists need to know. Do you, you both have ones that are your particular focus that you think pharmacists really need to have some, you know, more than baseline understanding or more than understanding how to read the report from? I do. Uh, I, <laughs> Go ahead, Rob. You can start with your list and then I'll add my list. <laughs> I've always been taught, part of it was uh, my mentor uh, was Jerry Bauman, who was an EP guy. And so I feel pretty strongly about being able to interpret some basic uh, ECG findings, including calculating QTC and things like that. But I do think because, you know, it, it, it is a marker of, in some ways, drug toxicity and drug, you know, uh, I wouldn't say efficacy, but it is a marker of pharmacology. And, and I think from that perspective, we should, at, a, at an advanced practice level, be able to do those things rather than rely on a report or a computer-generated number. The other thing that I would sort of say is uh, from an echo or a, a cardiac cath perspective, I think it's important to go beyond just what the concluding statements are and actually be able to interpret 
to some extent, some of the actual observations that they have, the data itself, you know, what does a 30% lesion in a coronary artery mean? What do the hemodynamics, the actual numbers, how are you interpreting that? Not what is the cardiologist necessarily interpreting it, but what's your interpretation? Some of the dimensions for the the heart itself is from an echo, you know, left atrial size, uh, left ventricular size, et cetera. I, I do think that those things have direct applicability to patient care, to drug therapy, and things like that. I'm going to take the cath lab piece one step further. I believe that cardiology specialists not only need to know what a cath report gives you, but they need to know that whole process yep. of the cath lab. They need to know what happens when the patient goes in for a cath, what drugs do they give in the cath lab, what's the dye, because all those have implications or are areas of quality improvement in your healthcare system that a pharmacist can impact. You know, you can affect bleeding rates, you can affect contrast-induced nephric toxicity just by helping the cath lab get a handle on what they're doing. Pharmacists can can actually help standardize a lot of their protocols and the things that they do so that it decreases the complications that we see in the patients. The other thing is knowing how a swan is put in, knowing what you can get off of swan, you've got to know that. I mean, it's the basis of everything that we do, especially in heart failure, got to know what those hemodynamic parameters mean and how you can change those things by giving various medications. It's also kind of important that you have an idea when a person has open heart surgery, what goes on in the OR also, just because once again, they're giving medications, there's bleeding complications, how you're going to treat those bleeding complications all depends or how you're gonna standardize that, then maybe the pharmacist's role. So that's another thing that I think is really important beyond just tests. I also think those two situations also help build empathy for the patient. So actually seeing how invasive these procedures are. I mean, we say that in a term, but, you know, living it definitely changes your perspective a little bit. So a big thing about cardiology and, you know, the whole reason we're starting CardioScripts is because staying up on the literature is very challenging. So how do you help your residents develop the skill of being able to keep up with literature and I think the follow-up question to that is also how much focus you put on the classics because we've all been around a little while and I still <laughs> think that's important, but I wonder how much emphasis you all are putting on it in your training programs. So we do a couple things and this has changed over the years because of electronics, actually. You know, ACCP does a really nice job of having our cardiology PRN section doing an online journal club. We did not start working with that at the beginning, but we do use it now. And it's a great way, at least every three to four weeks, to keep up with at least two journal articles in that fashion. Residents are on rotation. Each preceptor that we have has their core group of articles that they need to go. And some of them are the classics because I still believe you need to know the VHEP 1 and 2 because sometimes we're left with what other drugs can we use and we have to go back to the old drugs because they can't take this drug or that drug or that drug. Beyond that, we also do our own journal clubs and are engaging on working with our APNs, our advanced nurses, and um, also our cardiology fellows and doing a journal club with them. I think that's an area where our residents it build their confidence and build their knowledge base by delving into the literature. 
Yeah, we, we do uh, something very similar, taking advantage, you know, ACCP's cardiology PR internal club, I think is great because it's more of the, you know, the more current kind of hot topics. But for some of the basic literature uh, support, we do, again, re- rely on some of those basics. And so it may not be a formal journal club on BHEFT1 or BHEFT2 per se, but when the question comes up, you know, we, I for sure, and I know my colleagues will ask questions that force them to go look at those trials and understand exactly why it is we're doing what we're doing. What we try to do for some of our, our experiences that are repeated is start with some of the, maybe the basic classic trials as the foundational stuff, and then maybe on repeat experiences, have them get into some of the more current or contemporary things or controversies and, and stuff like that. The other thing that I think is nice that the ACCP Cardiology PRN has uh, done over the last several years is these key article papers. I think they serve as nice training resources. And so, you know, I make those, I mean, they're available to everybody, um, but I I have links to, to those papers for the residents to review and serve as a resource for them down the road. So the article also highlights a lot of what I would call soft skills. Can you explain more why self-reflection is required to be professionally successful? As far as you know, self-reflection, I think it's critical for everyone, not just trainees, to actually do that. Um, for, from my perspective, I think as a trainee, I think it's important to self-identify what it is you don't know or what you don't feel comfortable with. And I think a lot of times most trainees are pretty honest with themselves and they feel actually they don't know enough about almost everything. Um, but in some ways, the, the, you know, identifying an area that you, maybe you thought you knew something uh, pretty well and you realize after talking to colleagues or getting into it further that, wait a minute, I don't know enough about this, um, I think is important. So that whether it's a content, a skill, or an interpersonal thing, you know, presenting, for example, I think it's important for people to identify where their weaknesses are and then put themselves out there to fix that. You know, a lot of postdoc training, residency training is being comfortable, making yourself comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think part of that is actually being introspective and looking and realizing what you're, you don't do well. I would agree. Self-reflection is really important for any type of growth, not just as a resident, but even in my own career. There are things that I'm sure that I've done over the years that I could have done in a better way or in a different fashion and might have had a better outcome. And the only way that you're going to figure those things out is by self-reflecting. So that's why it becomes really, really important that we model for our residents how to interact with other people. They also need to have a you know, time where you sit down and talk about, okay, what went well today? What didn't go well? How could you have gotten what your thoughts across a little bit better? And actual role play. I, you know, having those discussions are really important because I'm going to tell you in the future that will make it or break it whether or not you get engaged in professional organizations, whether or not you are influential in your team, all those things. And it all starts from self-reflection about how could you've done it better. And now I'm, I'm a little nervous to throw you both such a broad question, but are there any additional thoughts or comments you have on this topic? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, I, I just say, I really, I, I hope that, you know, the, the paper really 
gives some, you know, gives some helpful information to both programs and residents. And if anything, I hope our our points and some of the things that we've raised today really try to emphasize, you know, the importance of postdoctoral training and specialty training in cardiology. I agree um, with everything that Rob just said. Uh, I, I think one of the things that when we revised the goals and objectives um, for the residencies, that was the step in the, the first step. Adding this paper was the second step because it gives us, specifically when you talk about what I call the appendix or the topic list or whatever, it really gives us a better feeling People get so hung up on the black and white of pharmacy that sometimes they forget that pharmacy is an art, and this helps put some of those more softer pieces together. For instance, on the topic we talked about, it's the experience that you see. You need to take care of a STEMI patient. You need to take, take care of an N-STEMI patient. You need to take care, you need to have, you know, not just once, but multiple times. It's the depth and breadth that of those topics, not necessarily that you sat down and had a discussion about it, but that you actually took care of those type of patients. So I think this adds a huge, uh, the next step for those uh, goals and objectives that we put out there to help anybody in the future start a PGY2 cardiology residency. Yeah, I've made jokes with both of you about our recovery network of former program directors. So <laughs> I owe you both um, a lot for contributing to this. And I think our profession owes you both a lot for your role in training um, residents and now program directors and all of the role you've played in the growth, both through these projects you've been involved in and your you know, selflessness to the residency trainings, the trainees that you've had. So what are you going to do with all your free time? <laughs> Free time. <laughs> no free time. <laughs> yeah, right. I think we probably all swept that up. I think you guys all know what's swooped up my free time because we're doing it right now. <laughs> so I, I guess just in wrap up on behalf of Liz and I, I want to thank you both for your time. And for all of those of you who are current RPDs for PGY2 cardiology programs and the prospective residents of these programs, enjoy the recruitment season. Okay, Liz, what do we have coming up next? I know we'll be getting close to Christmas. What is going to be our Christmas present to all the CardioScript listeners? So, Tracy, I'm so glad you asked because on our next episode, we will be entering the Twilight Zone with Dr. Craig Beavers. For more information, you can visit our site at CardioScripts.com. For more questions or conversation, join us on Twitter at CardioScript. Talk to you next time. And then someone else would like to say something. Hit it, buddy. Hi, Izzy. How old are you? Four. Are these good for rocks?